1: 7.35am on Thursday, the 26th of January. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wang Xiaoning and Chong San. Now, in half an hour, we have the breakfast grill. And today, I'll be speaking to Shahnaz al Sada, chairperson of Leap Ed Services, an educational social enterprise. So, January 24th marks the International Day of Education, which fell on Tuesday this week. That's why, to mark the occasion, I'll be speaking to Shahnaz today. And we're going to be discussing some of the needed reforms for Malaysian education. So stay tuned to that conversation after the 8am news bulletin. We are turning our attention now though to the outlook for the global economy. The World Bank has sounded the alarm on 2023 global economic growth recently. It's now expecting growth of 1.7% in 2023 from an earlier projection of 3% six months ago. The sharp downturn in growth is expected to be widespread with forecasts in revised down for 95% of advanced economies and nearly 70% of emerging markets and developing economies.
2: And this sentiment is echoed by the International Monetary Fund, which cautioned that it expects more than a third of the global economy to contract this year. Similar key headwinds seen in 2022 are projected to continue in this new year, which are the risks of the Ukraine-Russia conflict worsening and causing further global supply chain disruptions, softer export performance and inflation inflationary pressures due to elevated global commodity prices. However, is this too
1: pessimistic a scenario with the US economy still looking rather resilient, while a smoother than expected China reopening may also help lift emerging market economies? So for some thoughts on this, we have with us on the line Selena Ling, Chief Economist of OCBC. Selena, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us and a Happy Lunar New Year to you. Now, what's your baseline forecast for global economic Growth in 2023, and are you in the camp that a US and EU recession is pretty much a foregone conclusion?
0: Good morning, everyone, and happy Lunar New Year to all of you as well. Thank you for having me. Well, I look at the global economy as you know potentially a glass half empty and a glass half full story, and the reason for this is because for 2023, I expect the global economy to grow just a tad under the two percent handle. Essentially, it already feels a bit like a recession is upon us in many parts of the world. Um, If you go by the rough uh, rule of thumb, if global growth is 2% or below, uh, essentially, it does mean that quite a few countries in the world is already in recession. And you mentioned the U.S., for instance, and the Eurozone. So for Eurozone, we have penciled in an outright recession. For the U.S., I think it's still a bit of a uh, 50-50 touch-and-go situation. The main uncertainty really is whether the U.S. Federal Reserve will actually cave in and pause its aggressive interest rate hike soon and possibly you know, even consider uh, some rate cuts in time to come if the economic numbers slow down very significantly from here. So yes, uh, recession, it looks like, is a done game uh, for the eurozone and the U.K., for instance. But for U.S., there's still a chance they can avoid the recession but that said, history is usually not on the side of uh, the Fed. Typically, when they have done such aggressive rate hikes, uh, hard lending tends to follow.
2: And Selena, most economists are pointing to emerging markets as a source of optimism. Which emerging markets have stronger growth outlook this year and why?
0: Okay, for emerging markets, actually, you know, um, last year was a tough year, right? We had the Russian-Ukraine war, Inflation was on the uptake, uh, interest rates meant that financial conditions tightened quite significantly. So a lot of headwinds. And some of these headwinds are starting to reverse because uh, you know, one game changer in our opinion really is the earlier than expected reopening of China. And for a lot of emerging markets, um, you know, they're starting to also reopen their economies to a larger extent. Tourism, for instance, is coming back. So the return of Chinese uh, tourists, for instance, will bring joy to the hearts of the aviation and also the hospitality trade across ASEAN, whether it's uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, uh, all basically gearing up for a greater return. But I think it's not just the Chinese tourists per se, but also international travel in general, both leisure and also business travel. So if you look in terms of which markets will perform better this year. Um, actually, sad to say, I think overall growth numbers this year is going to look a little bit uh, more modest compared to last year. But generally, if you look within ASEAN itself, we are expecting that growth should hold up fairly resiliently, despite the slowdown that we are seeing in a lot of the developed markets.
1: Okay, but you also commented that the economy is a, a tale of half glass full and half glass empty. Uh, are you implying that 2023 will be a year where we will see growth accelerate, perhaps in the second half?
0: I think it is quite possible. Um, the two reasons for that is that you know, for China's reopening, they need to get over that you know post exit uh, COVID wave that we are starting to see now. There are some signs on the ground that uh, you know the infections may have peaked and they may actually reach uh, herd immunity fairly soon. So although, you know, December, the numbers look very, very weak, and this could possibly drag into January itself, but we are expecting that in subsequent quarters there should be a sharper pickup in terms of growth. And that actually means that we're quite confident, you know, China would, for instance, will actually see growth that is uh, close to the 5% handle or even slightly above that. And then the second uh, optimism really is that we are in a late... Of global monetary policy tightening, meaning that a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of the rate hikes is done. So we are starting to see tentative signs that uh, people are starting to get ready to pause in terms of the interest rates. So take the Fed for instance; you know they have done from zero to uh, you know close to four point five percent last year. And although they still signal that they will probably do another twenty-five basis point hike uh, in the upcoming February meeting, and possibly even another twenty-five hike after that. But I think by around mid of this year, they should be essentially done. So essentially, the central banks are going to pause in terms of where they are for interest rate hikes. So they may not be quite ready to cut yet because inflation is coming off, but not quite back to where their comfort inflation targets are at. But nevertheless, any pause in the rate high cycle would be uh, providing some relief to financial market and sentiments in general.
1: Can I ask Selena about the current state of corporate balance sheets and consumer savings rates globally? What, did, what 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 do you read from that and is there a cause for concern here?
0: Okay, there's a lot of um, talk about corporate balance sheet health, mainly because interest rates are significantly higher compared to a year ago. But actually, if you base on MSCI world, uh, total debt to total equity it stands around 1.36 times uh, as of last year. And that's quite in line with the average of you know, 1.37 times over the previous three years. And then if you look at net debt to EBITDA, actually that has improved last year to about 1.35 times. I think some of this is really you know, on the back of corporates. Those that have survived the pandemic, they basically have beefed up on their cash balances. So I think it's hard to generalise, but I think that you know, most corporates should be relatively well-positioned to weather some slowdown. Of course, if you get a very protracted and prolonged recession story and if you get a situation where inflation doesn't come off and interest rates continue to hit higher, then that could also you know, imply that there would be stress down the road. But standing where we are today and looking generally across the MSCI world, I think uh, we are actually in a relatively well-positioned uh, situation.
2: And uh, Selina, we would like to get some insights on the housing markets. Uh, we have seen fewer transactions and softening prices globally, given the series of rate hikes by central banks. Do you think that this could turn out to be a black swan event for global markets?
0: Well, actually, it's hard to be a black swan event if everyone is talking about it, and even you mentioned it. <laughs> a black swan event essentially has to be something that is by surprise and have a significant impact. Of course, the slowdown in a global uh, housing market is uh, something that we have to watch for because it does have a significant impact on consumer confidence and also in terms of household uh, you know financial health. But I think the fact is that actually a lot of the housing markets started rolling over once the interest rate started going up quite aggressively and growth started slowing down. So I don't think it's a complete surprise. I mean, um housing markets typically take many, many years to uh, peak and they take a while to actually uh, deflate as well. So I think we probably have to watch, but housing markets are actually typically very sensitized, not only to interest rates, but also to growth in general. So in our recent client poll uh, events, actually a lot of our consumer clients think that uh, recession is imminent for the global economy. So for something that's very, very well anticipated, I think there would have been some evasive moves that they are making. So I think it's uh, if you look across ASEAN, for instance, uh, Singapore's property market actually remains very, very resilient, mainly because the job market here remains tight, household balance sheets are, are fine, and people are gainfully employed, and hence they actually feel the pinch for rising mortgage rates, but they are still in a position to actually buy and also hold property. So I think it really varies. Um, if you look in the U.S. as well, we're starting to see some signs that the housing market may be bottoming and people are really hoping that the Fed will pause and this may give some life back into the U.S. housing market as well.
1: Selena, thank you very much for speaking to us this morning. That was Selena Ling, Chief Economist at OCBC Bank, talking to us about some of the trends that she sees affecting global growth Um I think it could be a tale of two halves. Really, everyone's looking to the second half of the year for, I guess, some acceleration to occur. Yeah, so everybody's keeping their eye on the Fed. What is the terminal rate? If they pause, then we might see global growth. But she's only expecting a global growth of a tad below 2% for the whole year. Not too bad considering the headwinds we face. I think the resilient economies are remaining very much in ASEAN.
2: Yeah, I think in terms of China's growth, I think she thinks that the 5 to 5.5% GDP growth this year looks quite achievable. And she, I think she did say that China has lightly achieved uh, herd immunity and cases have lightly peaked. So, And we're also in a late stage of monetary policy tightening. So I think in terms of growth in uh, more emerging markets, it could turn out to be a bit better than expected.
1: All right, it is 7.47 in the morning. Up next, how do you solve a problem like inflation? We discuss what Economy Minister Rafizi Z. Ramli is prescribing. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9.
0: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.